Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better. Like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome back to the Walker Report Extra podcast. You're with your host, Graeme. We're currently celebrating three points, um, which has been a little while. Nice 4-2 win over Gillingham yesterday, which could have quite easily been 4-0. Very positive display. We all seem a little bit happier than we were maybe this time last week. But we're also mourning the loss of Connor Bromley, our podcast host. He's had a free transfer move to Sunland officially, not to play up front, but to do media. Now, I've seen him play centre-off, so I must be honest, I'm very much pleased that he's moved into media as opposed to the playing staff. But from me to you, Connor, bravo and well done. But moving on very swiftly, because now he's gone, he's dead to us, we can speak to our guest this week, which is Tom from the... Uh, Gas Mast. So, Tom, you did us a favour yesterday. You got a draw with Portsmouth. How's things in uh, Bristol? Yeah, good. Unexpected points at well point at Pompey. Um, we traditionally get thumped pretty much every time we go there. Um, but we played really well, uh, like really well, surprisingly well, and we got a, quite a fortuitous penalty, which um, Johnson Clark Harris tucked away nicely. Um, the second one was a Stonewall penalty, which he then blazed over the bar and uh from what i've seen on twitter into the back of the stand at the very back row so yeah if, if you've if you've seen it i don't know if you have it's it's an absolute conversion it's unreal haven't seen it yet but now i'm kind of really really wanting to and i said you did us a favor i didn't realize you'd missed a pen Could yeah, yeah more we should, a favor. should have taken the three points really and actually it's it's a massive opportunity lost for us because everyone around us lost pretty much. Um, I think Rochdale drew in the end, um, but everyone else around us was dropping points. So if we'd managed to tuck away that second pen, it would have catapulted us up to the the heady heights of, I think, 17th. A little which, bit of daylight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. It really, really would have been. So I think we're a point clear at the moment, um, which obviously is squeaky bum, but yeah, big opportunity to miss for us, I think. 
especially when you've got like like you said Rochdale for one and and Shrewsbury really struggling this season in Oxford as well so I mean last last time you spoke to us there was a change in manager literally I think it was hours after um, Clark had went we we spoke to yourselves and it was actually Jimmy who was stepping in for me but nothing seems to have changed that much in terms of like league position you're a little bit better off than what you were but but not much so has it got better is it just the league position looks the same um, it's definitely got better. Um, Graham's come in, it's made us harder to beat, definitely. He's kind of moved out a few of the players in January that needed to kind of move on a bit, brought in a couple that have been fantastic. And But the main thing is he's changed the system. So we're quite defensive under Daryl, like really quite bad. And we just kind of hoof it up to the strikers. Um, we're playing a lot more through the wings now. We've got um, Alex Roblin from Shrewsbury, um, who's been fantastic on the on the right for us. And we just seem to be just attacking a little bit more. And it makes, oh, it makes watching Ravers a lot better, but it does mean that we've picked up a lot more points. But our biggest strength is, at the moment, our defensive solidity. Um, we don't give many goals away. Our main problem has been up even though we have been scoring more goals up front is where we're where we're struggling at the moment if we look at our top goal scorers are ollie clark from midfield um tom lockyer from defense on five goals each it's not our best striker our highest scoring striker as to say gavin riley is only on three it's it's clear to see why we're down where we are but i do feel if we'd stuck with daryl i think we would have been certs for relegation. I think Graham has come around, come in, and and I think we've only lost two under Graham. Unfortunately, we haven't won all that many. We've again drawn last night. We've had far too many draws really to kind of drag ourselves out of the out of the relegation zone or out of that kind of mess. Um, so we're kind of treading water at the minute, getting enough draws to kind of keep ourselves going. But we do need to start picking up the wins, and especially. Um, against teams around us um, is where we've really struggled to where we think brilliant we've got like Oxford at home or Wickham at home we can really kind of do something here like Shrewsbury at home a few weeks ago and then we either lose or draw and it's not until we play the big teams that we actually kind of start playing really well and get results that we don't expect like drawing at Portsmouth and stuff like that so uh, yeah a bit of a, a monologue there, but yeah, it has it has got better under Graham, but not quite good enough to pull ourselves clear. You mentioned a player before, Gavin Riley, living in Scotland. I knew quite a lot about St Mirren last season, and I, I watched what they did. And so when Jack Ross came in with his assistant manager and and with kind of the whole St Mirren setup, I looked at who he could potentially bring from his St Mirren team over, and there was a couple of people that stuck out. Obviously, you had Lewis Morgan, who's eventually ended up here as well but the big one for me was Gavin Riley um now my favorite thing about Gavin Riley if I'm completely honest with you is he's got fantastic music taste um likes all sorts of good music as if you listen Gavin yeah cracking music taste big fan of a uh, frightened rabbit and whatnot he's definitely a definitely a Scottish lad but he hasn't really hit the ground running and he did really well for St Mirren last year he was their top scorer he was basically Jack Ross's key man up top so is it just a case of you don't play to his strengths or has he been pretty poor? I think under Darrell, we didn't really get a look in, to be honest. We had um, Stefan Payne and Tom Nichols up top that were always played 
Um, and then when Daryl left, um, Graham started playing. Uh, we've got Yukubiak on loan from Watford, who um, played against you guys, actually, um, started up top. And that was the kind of first change of the kind of Graham era was to drop um, Nichols and Payne. And it has paid dividends. Um, so Riley is kind of down in down in the pecking order behind those guys. Um, when he has got on, he has been lively. He, from what I've seen, he's kind of a what I would think is an off the shoulder, kind of quite deadly um, finisher. We saw that against Southend when uh, they did some. They played a suicidally high line, um, challenging. I think it was Nichols up on the uh, on, near enough on the halfway line both of them and then uh Nichols kind of played it in behind for Riley ran through Bosch under the keeper no bother um he is really good in front of goal like that and he's he seems quick so the way that Graham generally has been playing him is in behind another striker which has kind of been either Yukubiak or Nichols sometimes so I don't really feel like we're playing to his strengths. But when he does kind of play off the shoulder, I feel like he's a lot better in that position. When I was looking at your, your team in general, I think there's a, it's quite obvious which players are going to be the players that will drag you out of it. I think for me, the one that really stood out and the one that stood out at the Stadium of Light um, was, was Ollie Clark. He's been there a long time. Um, for people who may not be aware of Ollie Clark, what, what kind of player have, we got, have you got on your hands there? Solly Clark is um, a combative midfielder. He is blood and guts, kind of like massive tackles, um, dives in a lot. Um, but he's he's good on the ball as well, and he can drive from midfield. He scores, well, he's our top goal, joint top goal scorer, so yeah. he does score some good goals. And he doesn't ever score tap-ins. Um, he always scores screamers from outside the box. So generally his... Um, his goal build-up is get it deep in the field, drive, shoot. And he can shoot on either foot. He's He's got an absolute traction engine of a, well, both feet, really. Um, the only problem is that he will pick up quite a few yellows. I think he was suspended for last night. Uh, so he'll be available on Saturday. Um, and he's got, a bit of, he's got a bit of a temper on him. He tends to get probably two or three bookings a season for mouthing off at the ref. He, when I watched him, he kind of reminded me of like a less experienced Lee Catamore. <laughs> like, he was a bit like a terrier, isn't he? So he, he gets kind of, I mean, you, you like it as a fan, don't you? But he, he doesn't half get stuck in and he's on, I think he's on 10 bookings, like you're saying, he's suspended. So he's unfortunately back for the game on Saturday against us. But would you say he's your key player? Oh, yeah, he's been one of our best players this season. He was, he went through a phase of, um, kind of drifting in and out of games. Uh, he does this quite a lot where one game he'll take it by the scruff of the neck and he'll play like a nine out of 10. And then the next game he'll be anonymous. Um, it's it's really infuriating. On his, on his day, he is probably up there with the best in the league. Um, so it's, it's kind of difficult. It's going to see who, which Ollie Clark turns up, hopefully having a rest will mean we get the... Uh, the amazing Ollie Clark is going to bang it bings, but we'll, we'll see. You've got a defender as well, um, Tom Tom Lockyer, I think I'm pronouncing that right, uh, who's given his debut by our old manager, Chris Coleman, who, f- for all these feelings at Sunderland, certainly knew how to build a good Wales team. Um, 
And you mentioned before your strength is in defence. Does that come from Tom Lockyer or would you say you've got something a little bit more superior next to him? So Lockyer is a funny one. Um, Full Wales International. Um, he is solid and this season seems to be so far his, his best season for us, especially goals-wise. Um, but he plays uh, next to Tony Craig, who we got from Millwall. Um, and I mean, if he was on FIFA aggression 20, he is an apps. <laughs> he's a bit of a menace. Um, he's quite short though. The both of them are quite short. Lox is under six foot, I believe. And um, yeah. Craig's shorter than that. So height is where I think those two struggle. But generally in the past, we've seen the best from Lox when he is next to a big centre-back. We had uh, Mark McChrystal for quite a few years and those two as a defensive pairing were absolutely fantastic. Um, last season when Craig came in, we were a bit worried about, well, the lack of height really, but this season they seem to have just kind of sorted it out um, and they've been really, really solid. Um, I can't really make any complaints about them at all. And going across the back four, at right back we've had um, James Clark, who traditionally is quite a um, a utility player. Um, he'll, he'll play anywhere. He'll do the washing up in in the kitchen or rewire your car like it'll, it'll just do anything um, <laughs> we've got one of them don't we <laughs> yeah yeah um but he's been really really solid at right back and then at left back um probably one of daryl's best signings and fortunately he never really got to see him play because he was we signed him when he was injured uh Tariq's, Tariq Holmes Dennis we got him from Huddersfield um and he was injured until God, um, after Christmas, I believe, he started out playing for us on the left wing, scored against Warsaw. It, he's just, he's an incredible player. Now he's back at left back. Um, he is a, a class above and if he can stay fit, um, we're, we're going to struggle to keep hold of him in the summer for sure. You were talking about how the defence is your main strength uh, pretty much and it's it's you can see just by reading the statistics, the story does kind of, tell itself a little bit based on how many goals your strikers have. Um, but wh- what kind of centre-forwards do you, does your defence struggle against? Or what, what kind of teams does your your team struggle against? Do you struggle against sort of long and aggressive, uh, long ball and aggressive or more football-based teams? Um, I'd say more football-based teams. Um, surprisingly, for how much I've just banged on about Locks and Craig being short, they do win a surprising amount in the air. Um, and they do, they can dominate um, strikers. So generally, when we've had big players come into the men, they've they've been able to handle them on the whole. Um, it's the the ball playing teams we struggle against the movement. Um, just when we come up against a team that is classy and can out, kind of play us, that's where we're going to struggle. And I feel like, unfortunately, Sunderland kind of fit that mould almost perfectly. As we saw at the Stadium of Light, I think when you guys were lumping it, we were okay. And then when you were getting it wide and getting crosses in, that's where we started to struggle. And I think definitely your second goal, uh, your first goal came from that. Um, your second goal was Madger, one-on-one with Tony Craig, put him on his ass and just slotted it. That was a lovely goal. Um, it yeah. pains, pains me to think about that, actually. Um <laughs> Many people be listening to that would be a little bit worried because we've we've had a tendency to hump it long since we've signed Jimmy Dunn. Um, but when we put it on the floor, we're a much better team. So hopefully we'll continue with that and get out to the wings and get some balls in for Will Greg. Now, when it comes to 
fans of away teams, I think we've always wanted to, or fans of the team we're playing, sorry. Um, we've always, I always like chatting about your team and things like that as well. But there's an extra added incentive to ask you about our team this year because of the Netflix documentary. Um, we spoke previously just a little bit about it and you'd watched it. What was your thoughts on it? I I really enjoyed it. Um, I watched it with my missus as well and she absolutely loved it. Um, it wasn't too kind of just focused on the football. It was all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes and you kind of got to see the personal side of players. Like it's easy enough when you see them once a week on a on a Saturday to kind of tell them they're lazy or abuse them or whatever. And then you realise they've got to go home and face the family and all that kind of stuff. So it was really good, um, especially um, Williams coming back from injury and all that kind of stuff. It was like a really nice, as a football fan, you just, yeah, you get that one bit on that Saturday afternoon when you see them and then you don't kind of think about all the work that goes in through the week. Um, it was also interesting because, uh, was it Martin Bain, the um, CEO? Yes, Martin Bain, yep. Yeah, so from watching that documentary, it came across like he was really trying his best and, you know, missing out on players. I can, <laughs> I can hear you sniggering. I, I, from what I've seen online, <laughs> Sunderland fans really don't feel that way about him at all. I think he's a good actor. I'll give him that. I think he should try to be a... Maybe he should wear like a Bane mask. Like Bane <laughs> from, because I think that would suit his personality better. I felt a little bit like... Um, I. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they had to reshoot some of his scenes, put it that way. Um, you hear things through the grapevine and football is a world of rumours. But I think Martin Bain did come across quite well in that. But I would I would like to have a face-to-face with him because I, I I live in Glasgow. My family are Rangers fans where he was at previously. And then he came to Sunland. So let's just say I don't, don't have a great opinion of Martin Bain. But I get why you could watch it and think he was he was not not so much a hero, but... A, a good guy from it yeah but I, I don't know if I agree with that personal opinion <laughs> yeah yeah um the did other you one have was, any heroes and villains yeah the other one was Rodwell um it was super interesting because as a football fan you you know kind of bits and bobs about other teams and he was never on the news for sticking sitting on his contract and just kind of watching him be quite nonchalant about picking up 70 grand a week while the team's struggling and financially struggling as well. It, it just, it, it was that side of um, players that you don't really get to, well, you don't really want to think about that to them, to a lot of them is a job. This, it, you know, they're paid, they come in, they train, they play hopefully, and then they go home. It is a job. And whereas I want to think, and every football fan wants to think that every player playing for your team is privileged and like really grateful for the chance, but a lot of players don't see it like that. He certainly didn't. You said you said about him playing and going back home. I don't remember him playing ever. Um, but was it? You mentioned Johnny Williams before. Um, it, it's funny how the TV show. Um, it was different, like I say, from a supporters' perspective. But there is like a heroes and a villains thing going on with it. Uh, you've mentioned a couple of the villains in my eyes, Bane and, and Rodwell. Was any heroes that when you watched that you thought I really want him to do well? Um, I I've got a little bit of a soft spot for Catamol, actually. Um, <laughs> Good. Lee I, Barry is loved here. Don't 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 let anyone tell you any day. <laughs> <laughs> Same as Ollie Clark, kind of the players that you know have black boots, tuck their shirt in, put everything into a tackle, 
even if you know they do get suspended three or four times a season. Those are my favourite players, absolutely favourite. Yeah, same. And uh, Carlton Wolves not the player he was five years ago. Don't get me wrong, and I, I criticise him as much as many people, but. I love Lee Barry Catamore, just the way it is. He gets the full pronunciation, you know. Um, Catamore's still part of the team, of course. He feels like he's been part of the team forever because he has. He's sent in his testimonial year. He scored his first goal at the Stadium of Light last night against Gillingham. His first ever goal at the Stadium of Light. All those goals have been away and there haven't been many of them. But um, in terms of danger men from Sunderland's side, is there like three players that you would pick out that you're worried will damage Bristol Rovers at the weekend? Uh, well, I, I can name 11 probably. Um, <laughs> I think obviously Greg, um, McGeady and um, Honeyman. I think Honeyman mostly from the documentary, I have to say, actually. I, I quite liked uh, watching him, but the other two from their big names and they do worry me. Um, I think from the away game, I think, um, was it your left? Was it good? Good, Gooch. Sorry, Interesting yeah, very drunk that day. Um, <laughs> well, I got my top off, which wasn't a great idea because it was like minus two or something. It's it was very cool. It was that day. ridiculous. It bit into you that day. Yeah. Actually, I remember that really, really well. It was horrible that day. It was super cold. Um, so yeah, yeah. That, that was that was a rookie move, Tom. Rookie move. Yeah, absolutely. We came out of the stadium and we had um, ice rain. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that was a thing. Oh yeah. You have it up here. We we don't yes. get it down here. Oh my god. It, <laughs> it was like I was getting stabbed. Yeah, it it is it, I mean that day was exceptionally cold. It was it was actually horrible. And if I remember rightly, I no, no, I don't think Catmore was playing that day. I was gonna say Catmore was in short sleeves, but um which would be testament to him, wouldn't it? The the game up at the stadium, like Madja played really, really well. Um I don't know if I want to sort of mention Magic too much because he's now gone. But were you surprised that he went in the in the January transfer window from the outside looking in? Yeah, it was it was a bit of an odd from the outside looking in. It was a, a completely odd move. You got a team where you're you're playing constantly. He's young lad um, scoring goals. You kind of think, why would you want to move anyway? But then to kind of make what feels like a bit of a sideways step because I mean. You guys might get promoted, might not, but you know, odds are looking good. You think if he can carry on as he is, fire you into the championship and then test himself there. And with the kind of money that comes with it and that stuff, you think stick around for until at least the summer. You mentioned Gooch before, um, and I, I really rudely cut you off. He's been off form for us a little bit. It is his first real full season where he's playing weekly. Um, what was it that impressed you about Lyndon Gooch? Because, I mean, we love him here. Like He's, he's, he's come to our academy. Um, his crossing, really, I thought his, his deliveries in were just really, really good. Caused us lots of problems. Um, like I was saying earlier, like, when you were lumping it, it didn't really kind of caused us any problems whatsoever. It was when it was going out wide when it really started to trouble us. Um, and I think, yeah, his deliveries were, he looked really good from from where I was sat. He's been, like I say, a little bit off form recently, but he's probably likely to play on Saturday due to, I think, the fact that Maguire's got quite a bad injury um, from what I'm hearing. Um, big thing for me, and I asked you this question before, 
So we're playing each other in the Czech Trade Trophy semi-final. We really, 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 really want to get to Wembley because we like Wembley and we don't have a great deal of success. But what would be more important to you, winning on Saturday or winning the semi-final and why? So for me, definitely the league. I think um, I think it's bigger anyway. I think you should be prioritising League One survival over the, the checker trade. Um, I think in normal circumstances, I think we should. But in the circumstances we're in with the checker trade, with the under-23 teams in there, I think it's... I don't care about the competition. I, I wish we weren't this far into it, to be honest. Um, I think the having the under-23s in there is quite insulting, frankly. The reasons that the EFL have given around helping the England team, giving these kids experience, um, for fans to be able to see the, the players of tomorrow, um, it's all just bollocks. Um, I can't see it helping <laughs> yeah. the England team. Like, when you've got... Um, foreign and overage players in the competition that's not helping the England team at all um, it's helping those players get back from injury or giving them experience but it's not helping England which is kind of one of the main tenants which I've noticed in the last kind of couple of seasons they've, they've silently dropped that um, big benefit of the of the competition so the only kind of good thing about it is that potentially it's it's brought in a bit of revenue but I'm, yeah, not a massive fan of it at all. Um, and I really, really don't want us to be in it. Um, I know there's a lot of gases that will disagree with me. And, you know, if Ravers were playing in the in the street, they'd watch from the pavement kind of thing. Um, and they'll go. And if we get to Wembley, they'll go. I know Max, who you spoke to last time, um, he's kind of having a bit of a moral quandary about it. Um, I won't be going. 100%. Um, but I do worry that we would take a lot. Um, I know Sunderland would obviously take a lot. Um, and I feel like unless, until an under-21, an under-23s team gets to the final and you see like one end of the stadium with 30,000 people in it and then the other end of the stadium with, you know, the players, families and, you know, one man and his dog, it won't be kind of shown up as the kind of faster that it is, um, they'll always use those Wembley crowds as a justification to say, oh no, it's working, don't worry, we're going to carry on. It's it's just a horrible, horrible situation. Yeah, it's absolutely stupid. I mean, when we, I think when we got to the quarterfinals, we were just talking, you know, among friends. And we said, oh, Man City looked pretty good. They'd knocked Barnsley out. They'd knocked uh, Rochdale out. And it was just like, they're, they're knocking some teams out. If we were playing Bristol Rovers in the semi-final, but the chance was to play Man City under-21s in the final. Um, I think I would go. I don't think I'd be too excited about playing under-21 team in the final. I'm very pleased it's got to the point where we're playing Bristol Rovers in one or Bury or Portsmouth. That makes me feel like we're beating an actual team to win a, a tournament. Um, I'm very pleased we've been the team that's... Made, the fans may not have boycotted it, but the team certainly is enjoying dispatching of the under-21 teams, Newcastle under-21s first, and then Man City. So we're having our own little part of the boycott. Um, but I know there'll be a lot of Sunderland fans listening to it who would feel quite alien to the fact that you wouldn't go. Um, Bristol Rovers in a, a final. And I understand I understand that because to me, I'm, I'm the fan. As, as you said, if we were playing in the street, I'd, I'd watch from the, the pavement, you know. But do you understand... Uh, Sunderland's viewpoint and why why we're not boycotting it. Can you 
because a lot of fans don't. Yeah, um, yeah, I can I can understand it. Um, I think there's from other teams, and actually from from Rovers fans as well. I feel like there's maybe the perception that because Sunderland aren't going to be in League One for very long, um, that they don't really feel as attached to the checker trade, formerly known as the JPT kind of thing, that lower league trophy that is kind of ours. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I, that totally makes sense. Yeah, 100% get it. I mean, I think we're here on, in inverted commas, merit, but I understand where you're coming from. We, it's the first time we've been in it, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's always felt like our chance to get to Wembley and like our kind of like, when, we're never going to get very far in the, the FA Cup or the League Cup. So the JP, like I always call it the JPT, uh, the checker trade. Yeah, kind of like yeah, our little thing, and then you know to have under twenty threes in there is horrible. Um, and having you guys come down, it feels like yeah, this is completely from the outside that maybe your fans don't kind of get it as much. I understand where you're coming from. I do know what you mean. There will be people that disagree with that completely, but I think you mentioned something before. It's not fair to have Man City under-23s or under-21s, whatever it may be, with a chance at winning, getting to Wembley or could stop getting a team like Bristol Rovers getting to Wembley. I know they haven't this term, but they could have done. They could have stopped Barnsley getting potentially at Wembley this year. And that's not fair because Sunderland win the Premiership for 10 years. We don't get at Wembley very often. Bristol Rovers probably don't get at Wembley very often. And when you get there, you, you want it to feel justified. So... I do understand where you're coming from. I, I would basically go because it's Sunderland at Wembley. We're probably, hopefully, with the ambitions that we have, not going to be in League One any longer than we want to be. I think it's not as easy as some people think it's going to be. Um, it, it, certainly our fans don't feel that way recently. Um, but I think if we had been in the trophy for like maybe as long as you'd have, I, I, I can understand the viewpoint massively. You've probably been going every single sort of cup game and thinking it's a chance to get to Wembley. It's a Jonathan's Payne trophies. It was, a, it was a good final to watch. Like there was teams getting to Wembley and it was a chance for inverted commas, smaller clubs to get to like a showpiece trophy. Whereas now, is it a showpiece trophy if there's basically 16 year old kids in it? No, n- not really. Yeah. And you have to, you kind of have to worry about, not worry, kind of think about what's in it for them as well. Because if you are a, you know, 16, 17 year old playing in say the man the man city team you're playing like you said earlier uh, kind of guardiola style football you're not getting that kind of real football experience the kind of you know you're playing along pe- alongside players who are playing for their careers they're playing for their contracts and you know you're getting kicked up in the air every week and you're getting people yelling at you and all that kind of stuff you, it's all quite nice it's just like a nice way to play men's football rather than going out on loan and like living a professional footballer's life yeah having to wash your own kit having to play centre half alongside a guy who needs to win so he gets his win bonus so he can afford his mortgage that's what kind of league two league one can be 16 year old playing for man city playing in triangles yeah i get the viewpoint um but i i think and i'm coming from a fan's perspective completely as opposed to a professional's but i, th- I think you're right I think if you want to progress in football, I think the mental aspect of going to play for League One or League Two teams massive. I don't think playing in the Checker Trade Trophy benefits them at all. And I'd be a lot happier if someone had got to Wembley beating all League One or League Two teams. Yeah, absolutely. without a doubt. 
moving back to Saturday, we've discussed a little bit about the players you're worried about. We've discussed a little bit about the team and what you think. Um, what's your prediction? I'm going to go with a, a tight 1-0 Rovers win. That's that's probably more my heart than my head, to be honest. But Yeah, you've got to go with a heart. <laughs> got to go with a heart. I'm going to go on the flip side. I think... We haven't had a clean sheet for a while off the top of my head um, and we haven't had a cheeky 1-0 win for a while. I think it's been since New Year's Day since we'd be uh, Blackpool, I think. So I'll take 1-0. I was going to say 1-0 Will Greg, and then I had the, the, such a determination not to say up the ticks directly after that, after that video. I love that video. Um, but yeah, I think I think we'll go 1-0. I think um, I think we might get an, an early first First half goal and then go on to win it because we we were very impressive yesterday and I think four two flattered Gillingham a little bit. I don't think their their two goals just came from nothing or slash bad defending, which you see a lot of in League One, don't you? But um, yeah, absolutely, you'll be going to the match on Saturday, yeah? Yeah, I'll be there. Um, I'm very lucky that most of my mates stand behind the goal in the Blackthorn end uh, where they can see nothing. Um, it's a fantastic atmosphere, don't get me wrong, but you can't see anything of the game. I sit in the posh seats with all the um, prawn, prawn sandwich brigade uh, <laughs> right, right on the halfway line, so I'll, I'll get to watch At least it. you admit it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's a lovely view. It really is, but it's, um, it's terrible for atmosphere. It really is. Um, but I'm just above the dugouts as well, so I get to see um, Graham ranting and raving. Um, so, yeah, it'll be a, a fantastic game either way, I think. And you're not going to the semi-final, I would imagine. I will not be there. Um, no, no. I will probably. Uh, I don't. I, I gotta be honest. I don't even know when it is. Um, I I don't really pay attention to the fixtures, and I'll I'll find something to do. You'd be washing your hair that night. Yeah, <laughs> something which is a bit of an end joke, but Connor Bromley can't be doing that. But again, that's an end joke that you totally won't understand. But the listeners will. Um, anyway, nice chatting to you, bud. Um, I don't wish you luck on Saturday. I don't wish you luck on the checker trade. Of course, I don't. That's only fair. But I do wish you luck for the rest of the season. I thought um, away from the football side of things, off the top of my head, I was discussing with one of my mates about best away atmospheres this season at the Stadium of Light. And I think Bristol Rovers were definitely up there. So you've got, if you needed it, my full respect. I think you were fantastic away from. I think you really got behind the team, especially considering you lost your manager a few days beforehand and got beat. Um, so I do wish you luck for the rest of the season, especially if you can continue to get draws against the likes of Portsmouth, Barnsley and Luton. That would be fantastic. Even if you can beat them, thank you very much. Yeah, I think we've got Barnsley on the last day of the season, actually. So that could be interesting. Well, if you can do us a favour and just put a couple of goals past them, you know, that would be that would be kind. But hopefully we've got the league wrapped up by then, but I am a wishful thinker. But... <laughs> Tom, well, thanks so much for coming on. Where can, if we wanted to catch your uh, your podcast, your Twitter page, where can we where can we find you? Uh, so we are Gascast on Twitter. Uh, if you search for that, you'll find us. Um, we're on iTunes and Spotify and everything under Gascast. Perfect. Good. Well, enjoy the rest of the season. Enjoy your night. I hope you get a good sleep. Um, for those who are not aware of it, Tom didn't get very much sleep last night. He's in a travel lodge and he's right. Well, he was right outside a, a, a main road, but you've changed rooms. So I wish you a good night's sleep, Tom. All right. Thank you. And all the best for the rest of the season. Thank you very much, Tom. Have a good one. So there's another end of uh, the Rogue Report Extra podcast. Uh, thanks very much for checking in again, as always. Uh, if I sound a little bit hoarse, it's because it's my third podcast of the day. Uh, again, thanks as always for listening in. I've made a couple of digs at Wee Connor here, but I'm, I'm really, really pleased that 
the job he got. So I just want to end on that. I think huge testament to the guys at Rook Report for the effort and the commitment that they put in. And um, thank you so much for supporting us and what we do and for the people that do support it. Thanks so much for making it feel like it's worthwhile. At the end of the day, we all support the same club. We all want the same sort of thing. And I think it's a testament to, to Connor how well he's done and how much support you've given him that he's got the position he has. And I wish him a massive amount of luck. Um, but yeah, on the more important things, um, three points on Saturday would be just nice, uh, especially after the back of that win yesterday, which I thought was thoroughly impressive. Um, onwards and upwards. Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAG, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAG is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAG, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.